Christ, there isn't any, anything that they can come to and say, forgive me because they're left with, you are our Father. Because they have, they've got nothing else. And so it was not common in the synagogues. It was not common at all for the Jewish people in their public prayers or even in their private prayers to say, Our Father, because it is a, it is a statement of commitment from God to us that is stunning, that is stunning. Our fa- it means I hold you in my hands and I never take my focus off of you and I will be with you to sustain you to meet every need you have. I love you. The God who holds this creation in the span of his hand loves us. He has compassion on he f- That means he feels with us. Oh, Lord, you don't know what it's like. Oh, yes, I do. Jesus sweated drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. So great was what he knew awaited him on the cross. And not only in the physical torture, the pain and the shame, but that he would be cut off for the first time in all of eternity, which has no beginning, he would be separated from the Father. And the pressure on him, the distress on him was so great his blood pressure rose so high that the capillaries were bursting. And he is sweating, literally sweating blood. So grievous will his experience be on the cross when he is separated from the Father because he loves us so much. He was willing to sacrifice himself. The Father sent him to be a sacrifice, and he willingly came to be our sacrifice. So great was his devoted love for us. That does not change. Lord, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Right here. Right here. Lord, where are you? Where are you? I, I know what love should look like right now. Put yourself in the place, as we did last week, of Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. He steps into the temple. The live coals are on the altar of burnt incense. He dumps the incense on the altar, and the cloud of incense goes. The smoke of the incense rises, and Gabriel appears. Gabriel appears. Zacharias That prayer of yours that you and your wife Elizabeth would have a child, a son, will be answered. I would dare say no one knew it. Zacharias had prayed that prayer year after year after year after year. But based on his immediate response to Gabriel the angel... I would dare say he had stopped praying that prayer 20 or 30 years before because his response is a response of bitterness. 
you've just been told by an angel God's going to answer your ancient prayer. Why should I believe that? <laughs> an angel just told you? And you will not be able to speak. And from later in the passage, it probably also included deafness. He couldn't speak. He was mute and deaf until the child was named and circumcised. And then it all came back. It all came back. And the last part of Luke chapter 1 is his praise to God. His praise to God. They saw God, whom he thought had not loved him enough to answer his prayer. He showed up, and he not only answered his prayer, your son will be the herald of the Messiah. Now let's step back again. At the fall of man, Genesis chapter 3, the serpent the embodied Satan, had engineered the fall of man. He enticed Eve to eat of the one fruit that was forbidden, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. She took a bite. And Adam, who is not doing his job, he's just standing there, Sees she doesn't. What did God said? If the, the day you eat of that, you will surely die. She's not falling, and so she hands it to him. I guess we can eat this safely. And he bites, and suddenly their eyes are open. Oh, we're naked! They died spiritually. They died in their relationship to God. They became spiritually broke, cut off from God. And then the Lord came and spoke to the serpent. And he said, I'm going to raise up a seed from the woman, from Eve. And he is going to bruise your head. You will bruise his heel. Well, a head bruise is a killing. That's a mortal blow. A heel <laughs> bruise can be pretty debilitating, but it's not typically understood as mortal, mortal, taking your life away. And so here we find Jesus, the seed of the woman, Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And so here, initially, a few minutes ago, we were talking about Zacharias and Elizabeth, their prayer that they had, at least he had stopped praying, I would dare say, 20 or 30 years before, has been answered. Out of all the people on the planet who have lived on the planet, gone through all these ages, and here they are being told not only will their prayer be answered, but their prayer, their, the, the child will be the forerunner of the Messiah. And then there is this young lady probably 15 or 16 years old, folks, because that was the typical age of marriage in the Jewish community. 
and really around the world and still in many places in the world today. And that same angel, Gabriel, let's read these words, Isaiah, excuse me, Luke 1, 26. Now, in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, bearing her child who will be John the Baptist. Now, in the sixth month, and the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. That's the meaning of his name, Yahweh saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, Six months before, when the same angel appeared to Zacharias in the temple and told him, your prayer has been answered, your wife is going to have a baby, and he said, "Uh, how shall I know this other than you've got an angel telling you? He had Abraham and Sarah narrative. This has happened before. This has happened before. There was precedent. Mary, there's no precedent. (laughs) She has a perfectly reasonable answer. How can this be? And I would dare say she's principally, okay, what are the mechanics of this going to be? How does this work? How can this be since I do not know a man? I know what the normal mechanics are of pregnancy and childbirth. I do not know a man, and the angel answered and said to her, he answers her question, this is going to be the mechanics of it, this is going to be the narrative, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. The Nicene Creed has it absolutely correct. The first line of the Nicene Creed is, Jesus Christ is true God of true God, true man of true man, joined together in one person. And the point of that is he's not half man, half God. He is fully God, fully man, joined together in one person. That is why it was perfectly appropriate, as is so often stated in the gospel accounts, the Magi, who will come later, worshipped him when they went into the house in Bethlehem. Constantly, Jesus is being worshipped throughout the gospel narrative. He's being worshipped. They're attributing to him the reality of his deity, his godhood. He is fully God, fully man, 
joined together in one person. All of his humanity is, will be drawn from Mary, but he is fully God as well as fully man. Undiminished deity. He only lays aside his non-moral, he laid his non-moral attributes, omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. He localized himself to a body. He put himself through, as, we, as you will see if you continue in the Gospel of Luke, he, he grew in knowledge as a boy. He grew in knowledge. He put himself through that same regimen. And he localized himself, and he walked in the power. What he did was in the power of the Father, power of the Holy Spirit. So he truly is an example to us. God tells, you are to, says to us, you are to walk in my power. We have the example of Jesus. He trusted in the pr provision of the Holy Spirit. He laid aside the independence use of his own power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Can I suggest that to every one of us? Good memory verse. Let's say that together. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. He is omnipotent. He can do whatever he purposes to do without restraint. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Think about God coming to you. By the way, God has come to you. In the same way that Gabriel came to Zacharias, in the same way that he came to Mary, in the same way that he set them aside for a use that they had no idea, wouldn't have even dared if they'd been in a stadium full of people and there was a, and Jesus was there or some prophet was, okay, I'm going to draw, a, I've got everybody's name in this bucket. I'm going to reach in and pull a name out and that person is going to be the father or the mother of the forerunner of the Messiah. I'm going to reach in the bucket, and I'm going to pull out a name. And that person, that woman, is going to be the one through whom the seed of the, the, seed of the woman will come. Well, stretch that stadium out to the entire human race, and then your name is announced. You know what? I wouldn't have any problem believing there are people in this room I wouldn't have any problem believing that God might pick them. None of us would pick ourselves. It's mercy. God qualifies the disqualified. What is mercy? 
It's not getting what you deserve. What is grace? It's getting what you don't deserve. I loved the testimony we just had of how, well, it looks like we're not going to be able to adopt this this little girl. It looks like we're going to have... (laughs) What happened? God engineered it all of a sudden. Oh, they're all coming to us without any restraint. They will be ours to raise in our household. God lifts up the unexpected. He takes the unexpected... Mary never would have put herself forward for this honor. God is as devoted to us as Zacharias and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph. All those who have been, we are as called as they are. We are as called as they are. If we would hold out as empty a hand as they held out. The restraint isn't on God. The restraint is on, rises from us. Where we, well, yes, I hear that promise. And I can believe that God will keep that promise to Bob, to Jenny, to Harold, to Baylor. But I know me. I know me. I know things about me that they don't know. And every one of you in this room can say the same thing back. Satan's number one tactic in making us walk in failure, in weakness, is to tell us we don't qualify. We don't, that's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. He not only accuses us to God, he accuses us to us. And he is a liar because Jesus qualifies the disqualified. Mercy, grace. That's what he does. And here is Mary, this teenage girl, told that she is going to be the one spoken of in Genesis chapter 3, the one spoken of in Isaiah 7.14, behold the virgin, 700 years before, behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So Mary immediately... Verse 39, then Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to Kerville, I mean, to a city of Judah, (laughs) and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? By the way, she's a couple generations older than Mary. That is not culturally appropriate. (laughs) But given the reality of God's work, it is appropriate. And it's not Mary that she's lifting up here. It is the child that Mary bears. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. 
Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. This is, she's coming to the, this is all directly from the Holy Spirit coming out of Elizabeth's mouth. Elizabeth had no idea that Mary, who she, she knew who she was, she's that niece of mine, it's a couple of generations younger than me. Comes in and the babe leaped. And what had God, what had the angel Gabriel said to Zacharias? He will be filled with, he, your son, John, will be filled with the Holy Spirit from within his mother's womb. And the babe leaped in his, her womb for joy. Verse 46, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Now, as I read through this, I want us to pay special attention to what does Mary say about God? Because that's the critical element. God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Who would never otherwise have even heard my name, they will call me blessed around the world in every generation. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Let me tell you, the number one, you want to grow as a Christian? You want to Really get your weapons on the table, get your tools out, get everything, get every study God. Answer for yourself biblically, authentically, accurately this question What is my God like? Because that's what Mary will be doing as you read through the Psalms. What is David? What are all these other psalmists doing? Asaph, the sons of Korah, they are reciting the traits of their God. That's why it feeds us. That's why it feeds us. Verse 49, He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, his reputation. There is no other God who has a reputation equal to this God. Let me tell you, folks, Zacharias, how many generations had it been since, well, probably 1,800 years since the time of Abraham? Same thing, obviously, with Mary. How badly, over the course of those centuries, had Israel behaved? I would encourage you, read through the history of Israel from the time of the Exodus until the coming of our Lord, Israel had offended God in every conceivable way. They had, they had stiff-armed the true and living God 
who met, who kept every promise, met every need, divided the waters of the Red Sea, completely destroyed, humiliated the entire Egyptian pantheon. And even the generations after that, they worshipped the Baals, they sacrificed their children, sacrificed their children to the fire god Molech, an open fire with its arms stretched out, and they would roll their children down the arms into the fire so, the, so that the god Molech would financially bless them. If anybody could have disqualified themselves, they've done it over and over and over and over and over, and yet the God of mercy. Thank you. We cannot measure his mercy. We need every bit of it. We need every bit of it. He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. No other name, no other reputation can begin to match his. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Those who have walked in their debilitated outlook. Oh, you know, that fellow Baal, uh, he, will, he will deliver us from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's, let me give you a case in point. Uh, this fellow... Uh, King Ahab with his wife Jezebel. King Ahab worshipped Baal, one of the Canaanite gods, the top god of the Canaanite gods. He had overthrown his father, by the way. Baal had overthrown his father. So he's the top god. And you know what his spe- All these gods have specialties. You know what the specialty of Baal was? Baal was the god of the storm. Baal was the god, the god that give us, gives us rain and pours fire down in the form of lightning from heaven. And this fellow who's in the text, you've never even heard of this guy, and this guy who was just a, just a country boy, walks up before the, in front of the throne of Ahab and says to him, <clears throat> Ahab, it's not going to rain again until I say so. I don't care that your God is the God of the storm of rain. It's not going to rain again until I say so. And then he disappeared, and it, it didn't rain. And it didn't rain. And no matter how much they worshiped the God of rain, Baal couldn't make it rain for three and a half years. And Ahab is turning the Middle East upside down, looking for this guy, Elijah, so he can force him to stop it. He can't find him. I love the fact, you know where God hit him? He sent... Elijah back to Jezebel's hometown, the last place that Ahab would look. And while there, he rescued a widow and her children, her, her son. Three and a half years later, he comes back, and he encounters one of the courtiers of Ahab and who is frightened when he sees Elijah. And Elijah says, you go back to Ahab, and you tell him to meet me with all the priests and prophets of Baal, on Mount Carmel, and we're going to have another contest. See if the God of the storm can pour down fire. And so they met on Mount Carmel, 
And no matter how much the priests and prophets of Baal stabbed themselves, screamed at Baal, they, I mean, they're literally stabbing themselves trying to get his attention. No fire, no lightning. And then after a few hours of that, Elijah said, okay, you guys have had your chance. He built an altar with the help of his servant. Put up the wood, put a sacrifice on it, even poured, and the Mediterranean's right down here, so they do have a source of water, poured two barrels of water over the whole thing. And then Elijah stepped back and said, Lord, please show these people. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Israelis there to see this contest. Show them who the real God is. And the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, the wood, the granite stones of the altar also were burned up. Hmm? Yes. It was dry as a bone. Everything was gone. And then Elijah turned and said, and the people are crying out, worship to God, to the Lord of God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Baal failed, as do all the false gods. Whether we know their names or not, the God who shows up is the God who disclosed himself to us by sending his son on the cross to pay sin's penalty so he would have perfect freedom to forgive us, to have mercy on us, to supply us with grace, to supply us with guidance so we could be useful instruments to him. Zacharias, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, they become servants of God in a way they never even would have imagined or would have qualified themselves for. Oh, you don't, you, I, 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 Mary would I know me. It can't be me. No. God picks according to his glory. He has shown his strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, just like the priests and prophets of Baal. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. Those who think they've got it together end up with nothing. Those who admit before God, I need your help, get it. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. The only surprise is not that he's keeping the promise, is that me? He's including me? He's including me? Yes. It's called mercy. It's called grace. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her house. It's important for us to understand this historical narrative in its setting and so in the, uh, what it says about the reality of who John the Baptist is, the reality of who our Savior is. But please don't, don't read past the fact of how these normal, regular old sinners who were saved by grace, just like us, are picked up by God and used in ways they never could have imagined. There are people here in this congregation right now that are stepping into ministries that I would dare say even a year ago. What? 
Me? No, I can see so-and-so. I can see it. God is the one who qualifies the disqualified and throws open the doors to do what, frankly, left to yourselves would scare you to death. But you're not left to yourself. He's with you, doing the work. It wasn't Elijah that poured the fire down from heaven. It was God, the God of Elijah, who was loyal and faithful to his prophet, who was just that redneck guy nobody had ever heard of that God sent to confront. That's our God. It was the God of Mary, the God of Joseph, the God of Zacharias, the God of Elizabeth, our God. Let's pray together. Our God, our God, our God. We thank you that you have stepped us into you, qualified us to offer you unrestrained praise, to walk in the joy of knowing you are loyal to us. You are our Father and the best possible imagery that word carries for us. You are loyal, ever-present to meet our needs, to guide our steps to places we never could have conceived of or dared to walk except by your guidance and your strength. And again, Lord, for those whom we prayed earlier in their ministries, we ask for you to be the sustainer, you to be the shepherd. And Lord, we ask that you would enable us to walk in the knowledge of your mercy, your grace, such that Satan will flee, the accuser will flee, You will completely disqualify him in our minds and hearts as he is actually in reality disqualified to have any authority, any place in our life experience. We ask that you would not allow us to forget what you said to us today in the week to come. We ask this of you, good shepherd, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. I'm going to invite you to sing a wonderful closing song. To stand while we do it. Number 290 in the hymnal, if you'd like to use the hymnal. As with gladness, men of old. As with gladness, men of old. Did the guiding 